this is Molly Southgate. And Martha Southgate. And Rob Southgate. And we're from the Ever After the Once Upon a Time podcast. When we're not battling the evil queen or hanging out with Mr. Gold, we're listening to Stepmarcine Bridge. Speedway in the Utah desert. I pick up my money, head back into town, driving across the Waynesburg County line. I got the radio on, but I'm just killing time, working all day in my daddy's garage, driving all night, chasing some mirage. Pretty soon, darling, I'm Take charge. Well, the dogs on Main Street how cause they understand. If I could take this moment into my hands, Mister, I ain't a boy, no, I'm a man, and I believe in the promise of land. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson, and this has been a very good year. Not to, uh, with all respect to the chairman, um, 2016 has been a year if you're a Springsteen fan of joy and magic and things you would not believe, and one of my special moments was at the end of August, I got to go to a show with son, my son Chris at uh, MetLife Stadium Arena, or I guess I guess the stadium is the right way to do it, the MetLife show, and then the next day I went – to Mecca. I went to the Holy Land. I went on the best tour I've ever attended, and that includes all the bourbon tours that Linda and I have gone to. <laughs> Joining me tonight is – I am proud to call him friend. He is uh, Stan. He is best tour guide and a true Bruce historian, and I am thrilled Stan is joining me tonight. How you doing? I'm great, Jesse. Thank you very much for having me on your show. I, I've been listening to it for, I think I discovered you about, I should say you or the show, about five months ago, and sometimes at work uh, I can put headphones on, and I love listening, and it's always good, and I'm, I'm honored to be a guest. Well, you know, so it's it's August 26th. You know, we meet there at um, the parking lot, and Stan comes, and, uh, uh, you know, it's me and a couple other Bruce fans, and um, Stan takes us on a whirlwind tour, and we're <laughs> going to talk about this. But one of my happiest moments is uh, we're in Stan's car. I'm in the back seat right behind him, and he says – 
I feel like I'm on a podcast because I can <laughs> hear your voice, but I can't see you. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Even even when I talk to you, I feel like, wait a minute, I'm waiting for someone else to talk. Oh, it's my turn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was funny in the car. I felt like I was not listening to your podcast. <laughs> it was. So, um, Stan, why don't you officially um, introduce yourself, and we're going to go to your musical origin story. Okay. Um, name is Stan Goldstein, and I live, I grew up in Neptune, New Jersey, which is the town next to Asbury Park, and um, right now I live in Ocean Grove, New Jersey, actually just a few blocks from Southside Johnny, and uh, the town just south of Asbury Park, so I've, I've lived here my whole life, so I've seen much of this rock and roll history evolve from this area, and um, I saw my first Bruce show, I just realized it was 40 years ago in August, so I, it was August 2nd, 1976. So I've been wow. seeing the guy for 40 years now. And, um, you know, my, my sister, I have a sister uh, four years older than me. She was originally into Bruce before me. She was into him after The Wild, The Innocent came out, which would have been 1973. And she still reminds me of this today. I used to say, because she used to play The Wild and then The Innocent over and over and over. And I used to say, oh, my God, will you put something else on? Would you stop? As I still can hear oh, the beginning funny. of E Street Shuffle over and over. It's like you're <laughs> listening to that same album again. So she still reminds me of that every time now. How I originally were like, oh, enough of Bruce Springsteen. And now I'm such oh, a huge fan now. <laughs> that is awesome. So, Stan, um, is what kind of music did you guys listen to in your uh, house when you grew well, up? I had two older sisters. And I remember the oldest one. I remember her playing the Woodstock uh, soundtrack over and over, especially the Fish Cheer. And when I'm 11 years old and you're here, give me an F. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was wow. And um, she she used to go to concerts and stuff. She was a little too young to go to the Upstage Club in Asbury, where Bruce sort of started in Asbury. And uh, my other sister, as I said, she was into Bruce, and she was in a lot of different music. As a matter of fact, I remember her going to Long Island, gosh, 1974, to see a Nils Lofgren show. She was going wow. out there to, up to a place called my father's place out there. And my, my parents were in the shows. There's an amphitheater that's still here in New Jersey. Right now it's called the PNC Bank Art Center. But back in the 70s, it was called, before all the corporate branding, it was called the Garden State Art Center. And my mom got a subscription there where you got six shows a summer. So I, I remember going with her and my dad. We saw, like, uh, don't laugh, Liberace and um, Herb Albert and the Tijuana Brass, Tom Jones. I remember seeing the Carpenters. And it's just like we always went out to see different shows all the time. My first concert was, I think, 1971 at the Garden State Art Center. I saw the Osmond Brothers. <laughs> now, that is I will tell you, club. I know it's not cool, but, you know, little nine, ten-year-old Jesse Jackson thought Donny Osmond was so cool. Yeah. So uh, I bet they, you know, and I bet they did a good show. They did. You know, uh, collecting DVDs, and this is before YouTube where you can find so much now. I remember someone, I, was, I used to trade uh, different things, and someone had an Osmond Brothers DVD, and I still watch it to this day. It brings me back to when I was 11, 12 years old, and I still think oh. it's wonderful to turn on. <laughs> That's funny. Now, Stan, when did you graduate high school? Uh, 1978. I went to the Neptune High School, the same high school as Vinny Lopez, Gary Talent, and Southside Johnny. They were the class of 1967, so they were 11 years ahead of me. So um, 
first I graduated seventy seven, so we're within you know the same age. And every time I hear Neptune, I think of Veronica Mars. So <laughs> I, I just that's I can't help that. Um I think that's awesome. Um so your sister um kind of first learned Bruce and she's doing what big sisters do, irritating younger brothers. Right. Um when did you get the Bruce bug? It, it was interesting. I remember seeing Greetings from Asbury Park. There were department stores in New Jersey called Two Guys, T-W-L Guys. And that okay. was sort of like the Walmart of the day or whatever. And I remember going in and seeing – and I, they, that's where I used to buy my 45s and everything. And I remember seeing an album, and I was like, wow, someone did an album about Asbury Park? You know, that's where I hung out. That's where I walked the boardwalk. I was 12 or 13, but that's where I hung out. And that was my first inkling onto who Bruce Springsteen was. My sister, as I said, was into him. I remember listening with her and her friends in August. It was August 15, 1975. WNEW-FM was doing a live broadcast from the bottom line in New York, which is a legendary show now. And I remember listening with her and her friends and to Bruce. And I remember him before he played Sandy. He said, I want to dedicate this to everyone down at the shore, Asbury Park, West End, Long Branch, Bradley Beach. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's my territory. He's talking about all these places, you know. And I was aware of him then. And I remember my sister getting born to run. And that, so that would have been a couple of weeks later. And I, re- I remember sort of then getting to him. And I first saw him, as I said, August 2nd, 1976. But it was funny. And I, I wrote the, an article on this once. I liked him. I thought he was great. But I didn't walk out of there. And ha- I didn't have my calling that night. And what I'm trying to say is I did love his music. I did love him. I think I still was a bigger fan of Seals and Cross, though, at the time. Okay. <laughs> but then it was the following year. It was I, through the wonderful Bruce Space website on the Internet. I know the exact date, May 13th, 1977, okay. at what is now the Count Basie Theater in Red Bank. It was called the Mammoth Arts Center. There was a Southside Johnny show, and a bunch of people from my – I was a junior in high school, and a bunch of uh, – my friends were all going to the Southside Johnny show. And I went to school that morning and a girl uh, popped into one of my classes and said, Sam, we saw Bruce Springsteen last night. I said, you saw Bruce Springsteen? She goes, yeah, Southside Johnny was sick and Bruce took over the show. And I'm like, oh man, wow. And like, I knew like, I'm going to that tonight. And that was sort of the night I got my Bruce Springsteen. I became the fanatic. Uh, it, it was a legendary show. Bruce and Little Steven did all the lead vocals on Southside Johnny songs. And then later, the E Street Band came out, and Bruce did a few songs with them. So, and that was the night where I said, oh, my God, this guy is amazing. This is, this is my, my uh, rock and roll god right here. Yeah. <laughs> so it, 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 and you didn't look back. I didn't look back, no. And then soon after that, it was the Darkness Tour, which would have been uh, the following year, about a year later. But that's mm-hmm. when, yep, I realized, like, oh, and this guy's sort of right in my backyard. I once ran into Clarence Clemens at a record store in Eatontown, New Jersey. It's somebody about 75 or 76. And it felt like he walked right off the uh, Born to Run album cover. It's like he had all white on it. It's like, oh, there's Clarence. It's like you're in the, you're in the comic books. It's like one of your comic book heroes coming yeah. to life right in front of you. It's the strangest thing. I imagine. <laughs> oh, yeah. that's um, – yeah, that's, that's, that's got to be interesting. Do – did you feel um, – 
So how many times have you seen him perform live? <laughs> you know, like a lot of people, I don't have a count. It's a okay. lot. It's a lot. It's 40. I know some people are like, oh, 217. This is my 140. I, I, I never counted. I never even tried okay. to count. If, if I had to give a guess, three to 400 maybe, somewhere yeah. around there. Yeah. Well, you know, um, and because you've listened to the podcast, you know that um, I'm a big fan of Sarah Hickman from Dallas, and mm-hmm. you know, she now lives in Austin. And, you know, uh, we talk about this. We could not – we do not know how – we couldn't count them because, you right. know, we just – it. we would see her a couple of times a year and then everything. So it is um, – she – her first album came out while Linda was pregnant with Chris. So Chris is 27. So, you know, we know we've done, you know, hundreds. So, um, so is there any, I, I, you know, we were, um, you were nice enough to be on a couple weeks ago and talk about the book signing, but, um, I want to get a little more, do you have something – is there a concert that stands out that you've spent time with that you go, yeah, this is this is pretty cool? You know, a is Bruce, there a couple a Bruce concert, concert? experiences? Yes. Or if you want to talk another one, hey, you know, no, we're open to anything. No, no I um, – you know, there's been so many. And, and the wonderful thing with Bruce for the magic of bootlegging, as he once said – you can pretty much yeah. go and like I I can listen to the first show I was ever at that August second nineteen seventy six. I can listen to the although it's not a great bootleg. There's a bootleg out from that show I was just talking about where he did the lead vocals for Southside Johnny that night in nineteen seventy seven. But um, now there's been a few good you know some stand out more than others. There was a show in Philadelphia, I think it was August eleventh two thousand and three uh, at the Link where the Philadelphia Eagles play. And it was the third of three shows, and that was just one of the nights Bruce sort of just went off the rails where he actually wasn't doing sign requests. This was the Rising Tour. And all mm-hmm. of a sudden, he, he took a couple signs, and he, he played, like, I'm going down for the first time in years. I mean, now it's sort of commonplace. But back yeah. then, uh, pre, he did Pretty Flamingo. He did From Small Things. And that was one of those nights where you just went, oh, my gosh, we're, we're getting, like, right in the middle of it, you go, we're getting a real special special one tonight sure and uh you know i was there at the final night at madison square garden which was uh july 1st 2000 um where he did blood brothers that that was pretty memorable and um you know it's just been a lot over the years it's tough to compare i mean obviously some stand out more than others um unfortunately it wasn't the, the general consensus is that one of the best shows he did in over the past 10 15 years was in st louis in 2008 i wasn't there that night but, um, you know, even the ones we had, I was in Philly where he played four hours and three minutes just this past September 7th. And yes. the one at MetLife Stadium, August 30th, which would have been the third show. You saw the second one. The third show right. where he pull, pulled out a lot of old stuff. But there, there are just so, so many good ones over the years. It's it, it kind, kind of tough. And they kind of all come in together. But there are definitely some that stand out more. Than, I was, I, oh, you know what a memorable one was? I was there New Year's Eve, December 31st, 1980, at the Nashville Coliseum. So that oh, one okay. was pretty special. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so Stan, um, before I get to the tour and kind of the roots of that, um, are there albums or songs that mean a great deal to you that you have some stories about? Well, I love Born to Run. 
And, um, you know, people, you, you always get asked, this, what's your favorite song? My mind's a strange one. I love Meeting Across the River. I just find it very, okay. just a piano and Bruce and a bass. And that's it. And I just love the story. It's, it's, it's sort of about, in a way for me, what Bruce's music means. It's like, here are these small time crooks are trying to make it to the big time. And, and there's a yeah. line in Meeting Across the River that I love where he goes, change your shirt because tonight we got style. Like meaning yeah. we're small time, but tonight's our one big chance at the big time. So let's let's look the part, and we're going to take our shot. We may not make it, but we're taking our shot, and we're going for it. Which is sort of you know Bruce. They always say he makes makes the extraordinary out of the ordinary. And I just yeah. that that song to this day just still has great meaning to me. And I just always he doesn't play it that often, and when he does, it's just. It's just pretty magical. He usually goes right into Jungle Land next, though. And um, the Born to Run album, you know, the song Night is about the circuit in Asbury Park where they used to drive, like the movie American Graffiti, where they just used to drive right. around all night. So that always has great meaning. And, uh, you, you know, just on and on and on. <laughs> There's just sure. so many. Even, you know, uh, I wasn't a big fan of the Working on the Dream album, but I love Kingdom of Days. And I find that that a special song. And as we get older, too, it sort of resonates a little bit more there. But, you know, there, there's just so many songs you can pick from. Um, you know, there's some clunkers, too. I'll be the first. I'm not afraid to criticize Ruth at times, either. I think there's some things, yeah. you know, things we all don't like. But, gosh, what a you catalog. Know, yeah, it's it's um, it's funny. You know, the guys that do Bruce Springsteen sings the alphabet always yeah. make fun of New Jersey Devil. You know, and uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I also know there are songs that, you know, people, you know, there are reasons there's taste. Like I was not a big fan of Outlaw Pete until mm-hmm. I bought the book. And then after reading the book, I'm like, OK, I don't dislike the song as much. You know, you understand I still it better. love it. You understand yeah, it. Yeah, I did. Um, yeah. That's interesting. Um, well, I always found it interesting. And I actually don't dislike the song Queen of the Supermarket. But right. you look at the lyrics, and here's the guy who wrote Thunder Road and Jungle Land and all the and Darkness on the Edge of Town, and he's writing about the the aisle, the vegetables on aisle six. I mean, yeah. it's like, you know, I'm in love with the queen of the supermarket. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, <laughs> you know, that's a, that's a little bit different. <laughs> now. Have you read the collection of short stories meeting across the river? You know, I haven't. I'm aware of the book, but I never did. And I, I should someday. Cause I think that's the collection is like, this is what happens, right? This is what happens yeah. that night. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, I have to uh, get that. Yeah. Uh, Peter David, who is a science fiction writer, um, did a short story in it that's really well. There's there's a lot of nice stories that each person kind of taking their version of what because there's a lot of ambiguity, a lot of right. vagueness in the story, so you you can get that. So yeah, a good friend of mine wrote one. Wally Strobe, who's one of my neighbors oh. here in Ocean Grove, wrote one of those stories. Okay. Oh, yeah. good. Well, I'll have, to, I'll have to reread it and listen to him. Yeah. Okay, so. Stan, I asked you this question while we were on the tour, and um, so it's okay if you don't say the same thing. I'm not – you're not getting graded, (laughs) but um, talk about, I guess, you know, the chicken or the egg. Was the book first or the tour first? And kind of talk about both of them. 
Okay. The tour was first. I've always been a tourist. I still am. Matter of fact, I, I was, uh, you know, I told you on the other podcast that we were talking about the book appearances. I cut a trip short to Las Vegas. I was actually out in Los, Los Angeles and Las Vegas. And I like to see things. I like to see <laughs> strange things, things that have been in the news and stuff like that. And, uh, so I've, I've always been a tourist. I, I have, if you even look through my books at my house, I have tons of tour books with different addresses of things and all that. So. And it was a lot of fun. You know, I follow you on Facebook and, um, and, you know, and you posted a lot of photos of your trip and it was, mm-hmm. it was clever and it was funny and it was good. And so, yeah, I'm, you saying that to me and then seeing that I go, Oh yeah, he's, he's yeah. definitely in that. Like, like you're, Name this house. It was the Brady Bunch house. <laughs> you know, it's a real house in Los Angeles. So I took a picture of it and stuff. So that was pretty easy. But um, so I've always been a tourist. And um, around a friend of good, two good friends of mine had a museum in Asbury Park. Uh, they were way ahead of their time. In 1986-87, in the Palace Amusements in Asbury, there was the Asbury Park Rock and Roll Museum, Billy Smith and Stephen Bumble. And it was around that time, this was right after Born in the USA, when Bruce was, well, he's still huge, but he was huge then. And there were a lot of people coming in from out of town, a lot of tourists and stuff. And I sort of realized, like, and even then, like, like wow, there's no one showing them around. Like, yeah, they know the stone ponies down the street here in Asbury Park and other things. But what about Bruce's homes and Freehold and things like that? And, and I, I thought, uh, yeah. once again, I got to interrupt you. I think yeah. it was fascinating. You brought up the fact that the Stone Pony is not the caravan club of Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> I, I mean, you you started the tour off with such a great, you know, kind of hey reminder. What yeah. you've the mythology you've heard is not necessarily true. Yeah, because I have that from a lot of people that go, ooh, this is where Bruce started, the Stone Pony. It's like, no, the Pony opened in 74. Bruce already had two albums out then. That the actual place he started as Ray Park was a place called the Upstage Club, which he writes about in his book uh, quite a bit. And that, that building's still there. It's not open, but that, that's it. And it's like, and pretty much, and he said this when he inducted the E Street Band in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, that was the genesis point of the E Street Band, right, right in this building in Asbury Park on Cookman and Bond. And, um, yeah, that, that's where he started. That's where he started out. So, you know, places like the upstage is, that's like a nondescript building. And unless you knew it, you drive by there and never know that there's tremendous Bruce Springsteen history right on this corner here. So that sort of got me thinking. And it was around, I guess it was before the internet, but I always was, tracking down things about Bruce, where he lived. As I, I mentioned, my good friend, Billy Smith, he was very good at knowing different addresses and things like that. And um, the first tour, Jean Mickle, she's my tour partner. She writes for the Asbury Park Press, my, one of my very good friends. And she co-wrote the book, Rock and Roll Tour of the Jersey Shore with me. When the internet was first starting out, this would have been the summer of 1999. Bruce did 15 shows at what was then called the Continental Airlines Arena in East Rutherford, New Jersey. It's part of the Meadowlands complex. The arena's still there, but it's now closed. It's actually right next door to MetLife Stadium. It's still there. But Bruce can imagine that 15 shows in a row. Wow. It was over a period of uh, three and a half, four weeks. So anyway, the internet was just starting out. There was something called the Lucky Town Digest. And that was sort of one of the first gathering spots of Springsteen fans. 
So Gene and I said, all right, you know, we, we know a lot of the sites now. We've done our research. Let's put something out there that um, we're going to do a walking tour on one of the off days of the shows, that we're going to do a free walking tour of Asbury Park and Freehold and Belmar also, 10th Avenue and East Street. And if anyone wants to meet us, it's free. We'll be outside the Stone Pony at noon and uh, just meet us there. And we didn't know if anyone would show up. And all of a sudden, about 60 people showed up. And wow. Dean and I were like, oh, wow, I think we got something here. So we did a walk around Asbury Park and pointed out things. Then we went down to Belmar, which is, uh, we were like a caravan of cars, or I think I even printed out directions. I think this was before GPS and all that. And I took everyone to the corner of 10th Avenue and East Street, which is, I always say, is the Springsteen fans Abbey Road shop meaning where the Beatles fans all take their picture crossing Abbey Road. Tenthony and Belmar is the Springsteen fan shot, even more so than the Stone Pony or some other places. That's the shot. And I realized we were on to something, because this is before digital cameras. A guy says to me, we're at the corner of Tenthony. He goes, you got to give me five minutes. I'm like, sure. Why? He goes, I've already run out of my film. I got to go down to that drugstore two blocks away and buy more film, because this is great. And I sort of said, okay, people like this. This is touristy stuff. I mean, not even touristy, but historic stuff here that people want pictures of. And so, and then we went to Freehold. And then from there, um, I'm trying to remember, I guess we did a few more tours and we wanted to put a book out. And one thing, I don't know, Gene and I, we're not go-getters in the way of, oh, let's put a proposal together and we'll get a book agent and we'll, we'll find someone to publish our book. I, I think we were scared of getting rejected. So we just said, let's, uh, we both worked in the newspaper business. So we had friends who were designers and we said, let's see if we can have someone design it. I'll get some prices. I'll put a little bit of money out. So we self published the book and our first mm-hmm. book came out in July of 2002, just as Bruce was beginning the rising tour. And we printed a thousand copies. I think we were 64 pages. And the book was called Rock and Roll Tour of the, uh, the Jersey Shore. And basically, it had a list of all the addresses of places of the upstage club, places Bruce had lived, his homes in Freehold. He had three homes in Freehold, uh, the Bourne the Run House in Long Branch, not West Long Branch. Yes, <laughs> and, indeed. Yes, seven and a half West End Court. And um, so we put that together. And, the, and I remember at the time, we knew someone on the Asbury Park City Council, and she got copies of the book to Bruce and she called me one night and she goes, I just want to let you know, Bruce and the band loved your book. They were going through it and Bruce was showing different pictures in the book to people and stuff like that. They were rehearsing at the time at Asbury Park's convention hall. And that made me feel good. And, you know, I didn't do the book for Bruce. I'm glad he liked it, but it just made me feel like after all the hard work Gina and I had done, like this is being accepted now people like this. And I think we got something. And since then, that was, um, as I said, July of 2002. We're now on our fourth edition. The book's 200 pages long. We sold out of our first, second, and third editions, and now we're on the fourth. We're still self-publishing, though. We're still, we've never had a publisher, so we still do it all on our own. But well, we're very, very happy with it. And, you know, we're gonna, at the end, we're going to give you how you can buy the book. And um, and we're also – we'll talk about if you're ever going to be in that area – you know, I, it is such a fascinating tour. It is, um, you, you know, Stan, you talk with such respect of Bruce and the, his family and the band. Um, you, 
Um, you know, there are certain things you do that you think is, um, you know, over the line, and I always respect that. Um, you know, we we you respect his privacy, uh, but we do want to know. And I will tell you, listeners, I have shared this, but you know, Stan pulls up at a church, and we're like, "Well, it's, we've already seen the Catholic Church. Why are we at this church?" You know, and he pulls out a picture. Here was the band posing at this church, and sure enough, you look, and there it is. So um, yeah. there were the so steps, many the times. The haven't changed much in 43 years. They look pretty much the same. Yeah, They do. <laughs> and so, you know, this is a very much an, inactive, an, an interactive tour. Um, a lot of great stories shared, a lot of information, a lot of chance to get out, take pictures, um, though it was every once in a while, um, I'm a man of size. So is Stan. He's like, no, it's right. yeah, yeah. if you just want to sit on this one, Jesse, it's good. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We're still uh, waiting for those, uh, bigger tour shirts so we can buy official, uh, tour merchandise. So, oh, so. <laughs> I am so, yes. I, I want that so bad. Um, yeah. so, um, so you did the book. Based on kind of, you know, this this thing. So when did you decide, well, maybe we should actually do tours? Now, you know, I was just thinking our first big tour would have been September of 2000. There's a group out of the UK called the Badlands Group. And it was, mm-hmm. it's run by Stephen and Philip Jump. Unfortunately, Stephen passed away a few years ago, but Philip Jump, his brother, still runs it. And what they are, and anyone listening to this in Europe or many in the United States may know of them, they run organized Bruce trips. They do trips where, like, you come to New York to see Bruce, and they'll get your tickets for the shows and organize a bus and everything. And they do it all through Europe, too, where they take care of the hotels and all that. And in September of 2000, Bruce uh, was playing five shows. Uh, Wait a minute. Now I got my timing off here. Uh, so that's why I said it all runs together. This would have been September of 1999. That's where we're at. Okay. okay. The tour ended July 1st, 2000. So this would have been September of 1999, which is kind of scary. I'm thinking that's 17 years ago. Wow. Anyway, this would have been yes, September of 1999. Bruce, after doing the 15 nights at the Meadowlands, did a few other shows. Then he did five shows in Philadelphia. And the Badlands group organized a trip. And the, one of the Sundays they had off, they had 200 people and we had four busloads and we did, that was the, one of the first real tours we did of the whole Jersey shore. And we took the people all around Asbury park and freehold and other parts here at the Jersey shore. And that's sort of when Gene and I realized too, like, Oh wow, this, this is uh, pretty cool. And we're making some money too. So, yeah. You know, this is a chance here. And one thing Gene and I are very big on, and especially part of us being journalists, is and I, I said this to you Jesse the day we did the tour. I'm not going to show you anything unless I know it's 100 percent true. I'm not going to make anything up. And I've learned a little from Bruce's autobiography too. But anything I'm going to say, like I do know what we call the Born a Run House in Long Branch. Bruce has said he wrote the entire album by living there. Um, and I'm learning more that he apparently wrote most of Greetings from Asbury Park at this place on Cookman Avenue, just two blocks, two two buildings away from the Upstage Club. Um, but I, we do not make anything up and we will not tell you anything unless we're absolutely 100% sure about it. And one of those areas we go, we get asked at the corner of 10th Avenue and East street, 
there's no question that's the E Street from E Street Band because David Sanchez, Bruce's first piano player, lived on that street. But right. we don't know for sure if that's the 10th Avenue from 10th Avenue Freeze Out. It could be. I don't know. I've never heard it from Bruce, though. So we're not going to make it right. up and say, oh, it definitely is. But it could be. It could be. So, But that's where everyone loves to take their picture, 10th and E. Oh, I had to have it. And um, a shout-out to um, um, uh, Wendy Hembrook from uh, the Game of Thrones podcast and tuning in Sci-Fi TV. She... I posted my photo that you had taken of me there, and she said, are you freezing out or are you shuffling? (laughs) (laughs) I've never heard that. That's good. I said, that is so funny. So, yes, um, it it truly is, as you said, it's the Abbey Road. You know, it is that (laughs) moment. And um, and when we were there, there were people – there were other people from, uh, you know, um, were from they outside. The, yeah, yes, I think Italy? they were. Yeah, yeah. there's another and, group there. Yeah. Yeah, and so um, it's it's interesting. Um, so you you have in the book picked up a few things that you said that is kind of new information for for the tour i'm sure the book itself is giving you tons of new information about bruce's psyche and his thought process Mm -hmm. yeah but there are a few things on the tour oh yeah oh yeah i'm still learning it and uh one thing i was disappointed on you might remember i showed you a house in bradley beach and i knew bruce had said in interviews that he wrote sandy there so i was hoping in this book he might go a little bit more and again, he says in the book, he just says, I moved there and I did write standing there at Sandy, 4th of July, Asbury Park, while I live in there. And he mentioned some other songs, but he never says he wrote them there. So it's like being, you know, I want to be accurate. So that's still all I can say is that he wrote standing while living in this garage apartment. But we were hoping that he might say, and I wrote Rosalita and the New York City Serenade and it's yeah. in a 57th Street. He may have, he may have, but. Yeah, I didn't get that. But I have learned other things. Like I said, the one in Asbury Park on Cookman Avenue, which was Tom yeah. Potter's place, who ran the upstage. He pretty much yeah. said he wrote the entire Grinnings from Asbury Park album while living there. Yeah, and that's interesting. You know, I also, as I'm reading the book, and uh, we're recording this in the middle of October, as I mentioned before, so haven't made it all the way through. I'm, you know, I'm I'm reading at a healthy pace, but I'm not, you know, rushing through it. And um, there are you do feel like there should be uh, footnotes that go to your book. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like if if you're like, hey, can I just do this? You know, um, like maybe the next version, like see Bruce's autobiography. This, I mean, you know, because right. there are things he mentions that you had mentioned and that are very relevant to the book and yeah. his, your tour. Yeah. Hello? Yeah, no, I can, I can hear you. Yeah, are you good? I'm good. I'm good. Okay, good. All right, so um, – Just if, one thing, uh, too, if, if you remember yeah. on the tour, I gave you a little bonus because we don't normally do this, but I gave Jesse a bonus because he's a great podcaster. Uh, we went up and saw the Homedale Farmhouse, and in the book, yes. Bruce talks about that's where he keeps having that recurring dream where he was a, a yeah. young boy and then he's in his thirties. And then, yeah, that's where exactly he said he was looking out in the field. So up at the farmhouse yeah. in Homedale. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's fascinating. And, uh, you know, I thought about that, you know, when he mentions the home he bought and, 
you know, him and his first wife trying to make a home there. And, yeah. um, you know, it, it's it's just it really was a slice of his life and good to share. Um, how often do you do tours? Um, whenever people contact me, I'll tell you when you were we did the tour in August. I was very busy that month between the shows. There were a lot of people in town. So sure. we were doing tours and our tours now are private tours. So we can take from one to four people. And we take it. Right. We have a two-hour tour and a four-hour tour. The two-hour tour covers um, Asbury Park, Long Branch, and Belmar, and the four-hour tour covers all that in Freehold and Red Bank and some other areas too. And um, but um, I have one tomorrow. I'm going to do. I have three next week. And okay. what's good too is that a lot of people come into New York City. They'll take the train down to the Jersey Shore. So I'll pick them up at the train station. We'll do the tour, then they drop them back off at the train station so they can get a train back to New York. I'm very flexible. I'll pick people up at wherever they are, yes. whether it's a hotel or, you know, around here, I'll arrange a meeting point like you, we did that day. So I'm very yeah. flexible, and I think people like that. And, uh, yeah, the tours are usually from about 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. and stuff. And so. Yes, um, I will tell you that if you are polite and um, ask good questions – and appreciate the stories. Um, he will get on a roll, and uh, he will. You know, you know how Bruce was like, man, I'm having too much fun. I yeah. can't stop. Um, I, I will tell you, Stan will do that. Yeah. <laughs> so. Sometimes, sometimes we get on a roll, and then I have to tell people, like, oh, wait a minute, hold on. There's three things I want to show you here. I got all yes. the stories, so we got to hit yes. the pause button for a minute because there's important things to put. And as I said to you. Um, part of the, it's not all a Bruce tour either. It's, I get a lot of times a husband and wife or two friends or one's really into Bruce or one isn't, but they enjoy seeing the whole Jersey Shore. So we take people right along the beach. We go out to Freehold. They see different parts of Monmouth County, and I get that from a lot of people from who are in New York City. I have a lot of Australians who do the tour, a lot of people from the U.K., uh, just had some people from Ireland. I had some people from Switzerland, but they always say they enjoy getting out of the city and just seeing other parts of the United States and out of, you know, and just the whole Jersey shore area. They really enjoy that and, and see that. So we, we do have a, you know, it's, 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 um, it's quite the variety. And with you um, in Red Bank, uh, Kevin Smith, the, what's the best yes. way? movie director, actor, uh, yeah. Jay and silent Bob. Uh, a right. lot of times he has a store right in downtown Red Bank, and I'm surprised very, very few people have heard of him. But you, you loved him, so that made me feel good. Like, yay, someone who knows. Yes, him. and it was yeah. funny. Um, um, you actually, Neil and I got out of the car, and you drove around the block so we could at least go in, and, and they were filming Comic Book Men, so we only got our picture taken in front of the show. But um, it was so Neil and I both were thrilled. So um, I told my wife that, and she is not as big a Bruce fan. I said, just, I, I said, Stan tells great stories and there is beautiful scenery. You are seeing so much of what's beautiful uh, about Jersey and all this. So it's amazing. You know, one of the moments that stuck with me, Stan, is when we were on the bridge and, you know, you looked behind, there was no one, and you paused and said, when Bruce talks about seeing the towers from this point, this is where he was at. And right. I, I, 
you know, I pictured that as I was reading his book when he was sharing that story, and I'm like, gosh, you know, I was just there. So um, this is a lot of fun, and it's very insightful, and it truly is going to Mecca. Yeah, and there's there's a couple sites that's coming out of Rumson in the Seabright. You come across a little bridge over an inlet, and you're right by the Atlantic Ocean, too. And before you get to the bridge, there's Holy Cross Church, and in the song The Fuse, which is on the Rising album, Bruce mentions the long line of black limos outside of Holy Cross. And he was referring to seeing quite a few funerals after 9-11 there that some of the parishioners had died in the towers. And then as you go across the bridge, and I haven't gotten to that part of the book yet, but I heard Bruce say it in interviews that, yeah, he was driving across that bridge and he woke up to an empty sky that morning. So we sort of call it the empty sky bridge. But I'm glad, yeah, that you can reflect on that as it connects now. Yeah, and, you know, one of the other things that um, I, I want to do this again sometime because um, the other thing Stan does, and I, I'm trying not to embarrass you too much, Stan, is he'll go, oh, yeah, you know the lyric in this song? That's that's this uh, barbershop. Or yeah. <laughs> you're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, that's yeah, awesome. From long, from long Walk Home. And that's what I always yep. say. It's a living history because there's always more things. That, you know, when did Long Walk Home come out? That was on Magic. That was 2008. And he men- mentions the barbershop down on South Street. Well, there's the barbershop on South Street right in Freehold yeah. when we go through Freehold. Yeah. And then my other favorite one is, if you remember in uh, downtown Freehold, the song Local Hero, as uh, who, who is, he was driving through his hometown. He saw his picture in the window between the Doberman and Bruce Lee. And I'm like, there's the story. He saw his picture in right there. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, I this has to be, uh, you know, this is a labor of love for you. Yeah, you make a few bucks, but this is really just about trying to share Bruce's history. You, you said you're a journalist in your uh, real job. You're a historian. You want this, the record to be straight, and people to have good data. Absolutely. And, and I always say, yes, I, I, you know, I do charge for the tours and make money, but I love showing people around. I really do. And if you have, sometimes it's like you, one thing Gene and I do, we try to get a feel for how much people know. And sometimes you get fans who are very on the surface, and there's nothing wrong with that. But they really, like, they know Bruce for born in the USA and born to run and aren't, and if I, right. they're not familiar with Queen of the Supermarket or something like that. So yeah. you, you know how deep you can go with people and what you can explain and stuff. Because, but then you have other fans who know so much and know all the bootlegs and know all the odd songs. And that's just, that's really great because then you really can go much deeper into some things too. And it's, uh, it, it's fun, but yeah, no matter who it is, we, we always have a great tour and we have a lot of fun and, uh, everyone still loves their pictures at all the places. And, uh, one of the other photo ops is, uh, you know, the tree by Bruce's second home in Freehold that he took during the born in the USA period. Everyone loves to pose by the tree there in Freehold. So that's one of our famous photo ops too. We do on the tour. <laughs> You do, um, and and it is so much fun um, to do that, and and you know you kind of get to share. So okay, um, tell me, I, I, you know, I asked this, and you've gone to so many shows, but is there a couple of songs that you're 
chasing that you haven't got to hear him perform live or maybe you've only heard once or twice? You know what I never heard live? I never heard the wall live. He, I only went to he, – he did that in 2014. And that leg of the tour, I think I saw three shows. And mm-hmm. he didn't play it at any of the three shows I was at. And I've heard it on the downloads and stuff, but I think it's just beautiful. It's really, really wonderful. And that, that's one I'd like to hear. I don't know if I'll do it again because it needs a trumpet. Kurt Rahm's yeah. trumpet was just absolutely oh. perfect with that. And, it was, and with the backup singers, it was so emotional. But that's one I'm really sorry I missed, that I didn't see that. And um, one I haven't seen in a while, I, I'd have to look into the last time. I always like Rendezvous. And he doesn't play it that much. So that, that's mm-hmm. another one I'd like to see. But, um, you know, it's funny is we were talking how New York City Serenade was so rare. And then what, he opened up with it for 10, 9 to 10 or all 10 shows? Yeah. Well, and, you know, <laughs> I made the argument that when they did that much rehearsal that, you know, like, we're going to redo this. And it was beautiful. I, um, The um, Jack of All Trades with Strings was really beautiful to me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Um, so did so? I'll ask you what I ask a lot of people. Um, I know you love them both, but did you like the E Street Orchestra, or do you like this new version of the pared down band better? Uh, you do always ask that question. <laughs> um, I like them both. It's it's funny. I um, when Bruce did John Stewart last year. Uh, for the final John Stewart show. That was the first introduction we had to the basic E Street band again with just Jake and Susie, Tyrell, Charlie Giordano. That's it. No more horns, no more backup singers, uh, no Everett Bradley on percussion. And I liked that at the time. And I do like that now. But looking back and listening to shows, I always loved the horn section. I think that's one of the reasons I've always loved Southside Johnny and the Asbury Jukes. The Southside's always had a horn section. And um, I, I could do both. I mean, I wrote I, when I was doing my blog for NJ.com. I don't do it anymore. I remember writing at the final Mohegan Sun shows, uh, the end of the 2014 tour. I just said that the Corey Street band just gets lost on the stage with so many people up there. And yes, so I am happy to see the Corey Street band, but. I did enjoy the horn section and the singers and everything. So I, I think I would take the core East street band over it, but there's some of the stuff where I listen to songs from 2012 to 2014, the live songs. And I'm like, I love the horns on here. Like there's the wall. I yeah. just mentioned the wall and you know, mm-hmm. he wouldn't be able to do that. He'd have to do it a little bit differently now and stuff. But I guess if I had to pick one, I would take the core group that we had in 2016. Uh, I would have, before I'd seen the shows on this latest tour, I would have picked the E Street Band Orchestra in yeah. a minute. Or as our our mutual friend Allie says, the E Street Band on steroids. On steroids, uh, yeah. <laughs> yes, but um, now that I've seen this, and, and it's it's sad when you call it the stripped down because it's still this huge band. I mean, you know, yes. uh, there there is something about them that they just rock it's just unbelievable. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So Stan, this was amazing. Uh, uh, you were, you are a great guest and I am so glad that you joined me. Um, this has been, like I said, I've had amazing Bruce year 
I've seen him live five times, um, you know, reading the autobiography. But the day I spent with you and going over all these things was just truly one of my highlights of this Bruce year. Thank you. And I think we were all exhausted that day because we just had an almost four-hour show the night before. Yes, right? it had. So yes. We were, we were and, all a little bit tired, but uh, it was, no, that was a fun day. Now, you, we talked a little bit about this, about you have a friend that is a stickler about when you hit that recording, you right. know, that stopwatch to do the show. Now, you tend to be at least if I remember correct, eh, it was close to four. Let's call right. it four and move it over, okay? Right. But your friend, right, and we will, he doesn't have to be named, right? He's right. like – he has these rules, correct? Yes, yes. And I've heard this discussion in some of your other shows too. Yeah. Um, and the way I understand it, for me, for me, the show starts the minute that they start playing the entrance music, meaning that if you were at the refreshment stand, and all of a sudden the lights go down and you hear the entrance music. You're like, oh, the show's starting. So you exactly. got to get to your seat or whatever. If you're talking to your friend, it's like, oh, show's starting. Uh, yes. My friend times it from the minute Bruce says his first word, meaning good evening or whatever. Or, Hello, you know. And, yeah. why I, and I understand that because when they go back to old shows, you don't, you know, all we have, um, some we don't have any, but all we have is audio. And you don't know when those lights went down or anything. So that's the way they time it from the minute he says his first word. And they time it till he says good night, and that's it, and walks off the stage. So that's where my right. friend's a stickler. He has, I guess on his iPhone, he has a stopwatch. And the minute Bruce says, hello, New Jersey, he starts it, and he doesn't stop it until the minute uh, Bruce says, We'll be seeing you or something like that. And it's funny at the, um, I guess it was the final MetLife show, August 30th one. My friend was next to me and as the show, and we're watching his stopwatch and we're both like rooting for four hours because <laughs> we're like, oh, it's 3.58. We're like, come on, keep the song going, come on. And it ended up being four hours and 32 seconds or something like that. Oh, but I remember hilarious. us both going when it hit four min, four hours and we were both like, yeah, we did it, we did it. Or he did it. But yeah, we're at a four yes. hour show. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So, so And then um, he went longer in Philly. Yeah. He went 404 on uh, September 7th. What what is this? This it's 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 like he just doesn't want to stop playing, you know. Yeah. The right, I don't want to go home, you know. Right. Uh, it, it that's what it feels like, isn't it? Yeah. Well, you know, I, I have a theory, and it when Bruce um, when the Meadowland shows MetLife Stadium shows went on sale in Philadelphia, they weren't hard tickets at all. Tickets were fairly easy to get, and yes. even. For the couple of the MetLife Stadium shows, and I think Philadelphia, also they did Groupon tickets. And right. the Foxborough show was not selling well either. And I have a feeling Bruce, you know, you say prove it all night. Bruce went out there on that first show at MetLife Stadium and said, you know, I got to get some buzz back here. And right. because, you know, the, the shows, I mean, they're selling a lot, but they're not. Bruce Springsteen used to be an instant sellout. It was like impossible right. to get a ticket. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, you can get a ticket for any three nights at MetLife. You can get a GA for any right. three nights at MetLife. And I think Bruce went out there to prove it all night. And the first show 
all of a sudden the next few shows became hot tickets and Philadelphia became hot tickets because people were talking about, oh, my God, he played four hours. Oh, my God, a couple got on stage, uh, got, got engaged on stage and everything. Yeah. And I think he went out there to get himself a little bit of buzz, and he did. It worked very well, and it was like, you know, oh, he went four hours, and he went even longer than that, and it's like, wow, <laughs> look at this. It, it's just yeah, incredible I, at his age what he's doing. Yeah, I, I totally agree. It, it was, you know, Stan, amazing to think that he's doing that and, you know, the amount of passion and the love the band's doing. Um, so, Stan, if someone wants to reach you, how can they? Okay, I have a website for the book. The book is called Rock and Roll Tour of the Jersey Shore. And um, the website is NJ, like New Jersey, NJ Rock Map, R-O-C-K-M-A-P. So it's N-J-R-O-C-K-M-A-P.com. And also, that's my email. I'm still an old AOL guy. Hey, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I've never had any problems with it, so I still have people there laughing. You go. Still an AOL? So it's NJRockMap, N-J-R-O-C-K-M-A-P at AOL.com. And that's where you can ask me about tours and get pricing on tours and everything and information on the tours. As I said, the tours are private tours. Sometimes we'll do group tours if we have enough people. But basically, as you did it, it's usually three or four people in the car, and I take you around and show you everything. And uh, we do the photos and uh, everything else. And the book is available, too, which is Rock and Roll Tour of the Jersey Shore. That's basically the book of the tour of our, of our, rock, and, of our rock and Roll Tour of the Jersey Shore. It's uh, about 200 pages. has tons of photos and information on all the different sites that Bruce was talking about in his autobiography and places he's lived and uh, just things. And that's available through the website or even Amazon.com has it also. So Absolutely. You check that and out. if you – and if you want, you can do like I did. I bought it beforehand and brought it in so Stan could uh, autograph it for me. Yeah, that um, was nice. That was nice. Yeah, this is um, – well, sir, this is great. I appreciate and, it. Uh, thank you. I yeah. just want to say they were actually talking about this on East Street Radio the other day. And since it does refer, reflect on the Jersey Shore, any of you check out Bruce doing Sandy, 4th of July, Asbury Park at the last Foxborough show. That would have been September 14th show. Um he does a Fourth of July Asbury Park Sandy, and he does it on his own. He doesn't have the band kick in to the very end. And I'm sure it's on YouTube, and the official download has come out. It's just a wonderful version. And I took that as Bruce's love letter reflection to the Jersey Shore. So it, it sort of just sums it up. And if you haven't seen that, Jesse, check it out. Yeah, it's okay. Sandy from Foxborough. It's just, it's, you know, we talk about Bruce highlights over the years. This This is a top five one. I mean, and I wasn't there that night either, so I'm watching it yeah. like everybody else. I just thought it was wonderful. I agree. I think it was just so beautiful. And, and, yeah. and so there was a lot of great moments on this uh, the second half of the kind of U.S. tour. Um, but, of course, you know, I'm biased anytime Bruce is performing. It's a um, it's it's a special moment for me. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, Stan, thank you so much. We're going to end with. Well, first off, let me do my business, right? If you want to be on this podcast and talk about your Bruce story, email me at setlustingbruce at gmail.com. We have a Facebook page and a Twitter account at setlustingbruce. Check that out. And we'd also appreciate you going to iTunes to rate and review us. It helps people find us. Um, Stan, hopefully you should get to Texas sometime so um, we can do the JFK tour. And we there can we do- go. 
Tex Mex and we can eat some barbecue. <laughs> oh, and yeah. It would be fun. So, yeah, I was uh, there in uh, wait. I saw Bruce in Houston and Austin uh, on the oh, Magic Tour. Nice. I was cool. there, and I and I've I've been to Dallas, and uh, yeah, I've been to Dealey Plaza, being the tourist I am. So yes, I bet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah. So when I get back there, yeah, well, we'll do the right. uh, Jesse Jackson tour of Dallas, which would be fun. Absolutely, you we we will make it a date. All right. So we're going to end with, hey Eddie, can you lend me a few bucks tonight? Awesome. Can you get us a ride? Got to make it through that tunnel. Got a meeting with a man on the other side. Hey, Eddie, this guy, he's the real thing. So if you want to come along, you got to promise you won't say anything because this guy don't dance. Yes. The world's Lord been passed. This is our last, our last chance. And change your shirt because tonight we got style. I love it. <laughs> Thank you, Stan. I appreciate it. Thank you, listeners. We'll talk to you soon. Right. There we go. <laughs> It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.